0: Well, this is the FCS Fever Podcast. You're locked in as we dive a little bit deeper into the playoff picture. We turn up the heat on FCS football here on the FCS Fever Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. The FCS Fever Podcast is presented by our friends at Betfred Sports and part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. I'm Chris Sylvester. This is our FCS playoffs quarterfinal round preview show after the second weekend of the playoffs only eight teams remain some games were better than others in the second weekend of the fcs playoffs but with just eight left this should be a really entertaining weekend of fcs football we'll break down the matchups fill you in on some news Elsewhere around the FCS, this is the Coaching Carousel Transfer Portal time of year. You're also looking at some potential conference realignment with the WAC ASUN talking about their potential to jump up to the FBS. I'll give you my thoughts on that. But before we get going, again, we're presented by Betfred Sports. When you play in the Betfred Sportsbook, no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. The more you bet, the bigger the bonus the good news they'll be putting out lines for the remainder of the FCS playoffs. They are committed to being the best book anywhere for fans of FCS football. Bet Fred, one of Europe's biggest sports books, started in 1967 by Fred Dunn. Now, in the U.S., they've hit the market in a big way as the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals, currently licensed in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Louisiana, Washington. And yes, right around the corner, New Year's Day. They've got a Betfred billboard up in Cleveland. Ohio will be next to join the fray. Sign up today. Betfred Sportsbook Place a $50 bet this weekend. And Betfred will hook you up with an extra bonus, $250 for betting. One of the best deals you'll find. Again, Betfred Sports, the presenting sponsor of the FCS Fever podcast. Look, I I mean... The final eight here of the FCS might be the top eight teams in the country. We often have predicaments and circumstances where certain teams kind of sneak by teams that are better than them. You get a, a certain call to go your way. Maybe you come up with an injury on the other side that kind of deflates the competition. I I firmly believe that that we've got this right, and, and I've kind of been a Holy Cross naysayer. I realize that uh, they, they didn't have the strongest strength of schedule in the Patriot League, but but dismantling New Hampshire. The way they did last week uh, really stood out to me uh, among other performances in the FCS. So Holy Cross is a perfect 12-0. They're a legit 12-0. They've got an FBS win on their resume. They survived a scare in conference play against a really good offense in Fordham. And beating New Hampshire 35-19, last week. Now they got to go to South Dakota State. It's the lone Saturday game on the slate this weekend. That's going to be an extremely tough test. We'll get to that matchup. But you look at the rest of the matchups across the board. You got Samford, a team whose lone loss is Georgia going to North Dakota State. I, I think that's going to be a lot better than the odds makers think North Dakota State a near three touchdown favorite in Fargo. And-, and look, I get the love for NDSU. They picked apart Montana after a close first half. But I think this Samford team, as good as it gets, Gets in the FCS this season. I think they're legit. I thought the SoCon was legit, especially the top half of it for much of the season. And Samford against Southeast Louisiana, a really good Southeastern Louisiana group, in overtime last week, able to get the job done, 48-42. Now, you kind of worry about Samford's defense a little bit, but but they've proven that they can outscore competition. Just look at some of these scores from the season. Yeah, Going to Furman, winning that game 34-27 we saw how tough Furman played UIW on the road nearly knocked off the Cardinals last week in San Antonio Samford also has posted 55-45 wins over ETSU a 50-44 win late in the season over Mercer 35-24 over Chattanooga this is this might be one of the better offenses left in the field of eight in this FCS playoffs. I don't think they're more explosive than UIW, more explosive than Sac State. But I think think North Dakota State, the Bison are going to have their hands full with the Samford Bulldogs in the Fargo Dome. I think NDSU slips by... I think this could be the final postseason win for the Bison this season if they can power past Samford. Uh, I think Samford certainly covers that spread of almost 20. You're looking at 19.5 right now. The over-under in this game, 64. I kind of want to take the over here as well. Michael, here's a guy that's passed for more than 300 uh, 3,300 yards this season. I mean, he's just put together a terrific campaign. 35 touchdowns through the air. Stanton, their top running back, more than 700 yards. Watson, their top receiver, almost 1,000 yards this year. Give me North Dakota State. But I think this is a one-possession game in Fargo, and I think the Bulldogs give the Bison all they can handle. Moving on to Bozeman, a good matchup. It is Friday night, 7:15 pacific time that 's uh, ten fifteen eastern time uh, just terrific matchups on the docket in the FCS William and Mary heads to bozeman montana and the the weather there calls for temperatures south of twenty degrees it 's going to be below freezing level, and you certainly hope that William and Mary is ready for it coming from Virginia. Now, William and Mary put together one of the better seasons in all the FCS this year. Uh, Their lone loss uh, came in a game that they felt like they should have won. They held a big lead against Elon at home, let it slip away in the second half back in the conference's opening weekend. Since then, near perfection uh, from this William and Mary team. And perfection in the win-loss column, but uh, the the way they were able to win a lot of these games. Delaware gave them a little bit of a scare. They had a road scare at Hampton, beat Rhode Island by a point at home. But other than that, you know, going to Richmond, winning a game for the conference crown late in the regular season by double figures, an impressive win against the Nova team late in conference play that was fighting for their playoff lives, and then just dismantling a really, really good Gardner-Webb team who had, picked up a road playoff victory the weekend before Uh, William and Mary going to Montana state. uh, They have proven time and time again that their defense is legit, but is it legit enough to slow down a a vaunted rushing attack at Montana state that, that seemingly can't be stopped by anybody. You know, uh, Weber state just lost their head coach, uh, Jay Hill over the week. He's now the defensive coordinator at BYU, and I think that's one of the more interesting openings right now. I would kind of hope that Weber would elevate from within their program, seeing how Jay Hill has kind of created a culture there that wasn't really there for Weber State before he arrived. I'm interested to see. They did name an interim head coach that was on the staff, but I'm interested to see with that Weber program moving forward, can they kind of mirror their same success, and can they bring in an offensive mind, whether that be as head coach or maybe offensive coordinator? And I'm not calling for anybody's heads over there in Ogden. I think that staff has done a terrific job. It was another great year for them. But, but there's something about Weber's offense, or lack thereof, where they're just struggling to get over the hump on offense in the postseason. I mean, look, they lose by eight at Montana State, put up a lot of that offense, did Weber in the fourth quarter to make it look a little bit closer than it was for much of the afternoon in Bozeman last week between those two Big Sky teams. But Weber needs to find a way to to have an explosive offense that mirrors the likes of Montana State, Sacramento State, kind of what we're starting to see in this Jason Eck era at Idaho. I'm interested to see what direction Weber State goes in. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. A to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Back to Montana State, a team that beat Weber by eight points uh, in the round of 16 last weekend of the FCS playoffs. They call it the second round. I think they should call it the Sweet 16. I mean, why, why wouldn't we? But but again, this is a Montana State team. They run for another 388 yards last week. You, you look at the other side for William and Mary Going up uh, against the Gardner-Webb team, like I said, they were were as hot as anybody going into the FCS playoffs, and they held Gardner-Webb to 200 yards rushing, which, you know, a total of 400 yards of offense almost for this Gardner-Webb team, but they could only muster up 14 points. I do kind of worry about William and Mary's run defense in this game. It's hard to see Montana State losing at home. They're favored by 10 points. I would say that's about on par. I wouldn't be surprised if William and Mary uh, could cover that spread, but I, I kind of like Montana State here at home to keep on advancing and try and uh, get back to the FCS title game. Remember, touchdown Tommy. Tommy Malott, he was injured in, in that title game. Last season. I'd like to see what a full strength Montana State team could work with deeper in the postseason this year. The final matchup of the three on Friday night it's UIW at Sacramento State. And just adding to these explosive offenses with Lindsey Scott Jr., I think the best offensive player all year in the FCS, maybe. All of Division One College football. I mean, this guy has thrown for over forty one hundred yards, fifty-five touchdowns. He goes up against one of the more dynamic running backs in the country and Cameron Scataboo of Sacramento State, a guy who's run for almost thirteen hundred yards, that two quarterback system still finding ways to work for Troy Taylor and Sacramento State. But that, that's part of the intrigue with this game. UIW's head coach has already accepted the head coach job at Texas State, a small FBS program out of the Sun Belt Conference. Who knows what their future aspirations are. But G.J. Kenny to take that job over his alma mater, Tulsa, out of the American Conference kind of tells you what direction that could be all headed in in the near future, especially with a lot of those top American teams bolting uh, for the Big 12 next season and beyond. you got Sacramento State here now. Troy Taylor, a Cal alum. I-, I have thought for the longest time that Troy Taylor is just going to sit there, continue to dominate the big sky, and try and chase down an FCS title at Sacramento State as long as he could until uh, Wilcox goes at Cal and and that job is open again. But Wilcox had just signed an extension earlier this season. And and despite Cal's underwhelming 2022 campaign, it, it just doesn't really look like that's a a bullet that Cal's willing to swallow right now. So Stanford, their Crosstown rivals have an opening, and it was reported that Troy Taylor is a finalist for that gig. I don't know if Taylor's in the late stages of maybe taking that gig. Jason Garrett, former Cowboys head coach, personality now on NBC, he had been a guy kind of rumored to potentially be in the mix Um, for that job as well, but kind of seemingly bowed out of it with a tweet on Thursday night. So I'm interested to see, could this be the final game for Troy Taylor at Sacramento State, or or will he kind of have a a G.J. Kenny type of feel here and and continue to coach this team as long as their playoff run continues? Because I've talked about it from the jump. I I think this Sacramento State team is a deep playoff run potential written all over them. Uh, They've won a game, finally got over the hump, uh, powered past a really good Richmond team last week. UIW, on the other hand, I, I thought UIW kind of had a, a sketchy go about it um, against Furman last week. And I think Furman a lot better than people gave them credit for. But I kind of wonder where this UIW team is at. And I wonder if, if the, the news about Taylor maybe taking the job at Stanford affects Sacramento State. Right now, the line is six. Sacramento State is the favorite here. Give me Sac State to cover, Sac State to win. Over under of 78. I don't know if we get there with these numbers on offense. Maybe we do. Maybe this is the shootout that we desperately need to keep those on the east and central time zones awake on a game that starts at 1030 Eastern on ESPN Plus from Sacramento, California. Uh, but but I like Sac State here. I, I think Lindsey Scott Junior's had a terrific run at it. I think Sac State's defense can make enough plays uh, to where their offense will have the ball for a longer time. And I think that running game is just going to wear down UIW's defense. Give me Sac State to head to the final four of the FCS playoffs. Bringing us to our our final matchup on the docket this weekend, it's the lone Saturday game, and it's a high noon Eastern time kick from Dana J. Dykhouse Stadium in Brookings, South Dakota. The number one overall seed, they've won 11 straight now, South Dakota State hosting Holy Cross. Now, South Dakota State a heavy favorite in this game, favored by 19 points. The over-under set to 54. South Dakota State against a pretty good CAA and Delaware team, Delaware defense uh, last week. That that was a struggle for them. Uh, Delaware did not really come to play. And by not really come to play, I mean they lose the game 42-6. Uh, that was never really much of a game I think South Dakota state has the best defense of the eight teams remaining in this playoff field and I think that that again will be the difference uh my my question here for Holy Cross is can holy Cross play well enough defensively to survive a couple of scoreless drives early and maybe make South Dakota state think that they're in trouble I don't know about that 19 point spread but I do think South Dakota State wins by at least a couple of scores over under set at 54. I'm going to say South Dakota State finds a way to, to get in the 30s with their points. I'm going to find a way that Holy Cross maybe scores a couple of the touchdowns. Who knows if it's early? Who knows if it's in garbage time? Mark Ranowski, not quite the spring season he put together, although this is a bigger sample size coming off of the, the injury that kept him out all of the fall season last year. Uh, I like South Dakota State to advance, and that would have a matchup between South Dakota State and Montana State and Brookings next weekend. And per our prediction, set up a matchup with North Dakota State coming west and visiting Sacramento State, which I think would be a very intriguing and interesting matchup on the docket uh, next weekend as we get a little bit closer to the FCS Playoff Championship, which is on a Sunday, uh, first full weekend of January when you flip the calendar to next year now we mentioned uh, a couple of head coach openings uiw's open weber state might be open cal poly bo baldwin that didn't really work out for them after just uh, two seasons three if you throw in the three games they played spring of 21 bo baldwin is now back in the pac-12 at, as an offensive coordinator at uh, arizona state remember he was at cal before he came to cal poly Paul Wolf, who many FCS fans might remember from the early 2000s at Eastern Washington. He was the head coach there before Bo Baldwin took over. Then he went to Washington State, had a bad tenure there. He's been the offensive line coach at Cal Poly since late 2019. He takes over there. We'll see if that program can start to elevate as they move further and further away from the triple option. Wofford named their uh, interim head coach, the head coach of that program, Charleston Southern, filling a need head to brooksrunning.com to learn more out there at the moment but but something that certainly uh, grabbed my attention and could really be uh, a shake up move for the FCS moving forward beyond these teams but uh, the the A sun whack uh, those conference schools that have kind of been jumbled together this year eastern kentucky wound up getting the automatic qualifying bid but Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, Utah Tech, Southern Utah, Tarleton State uh, will join the Atlantic Sun members, Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, North Alabama, to form the newly merged FBS conference. They're currently not a name for the new conference. It's not geographically friendly. But it's uh, being referred to in the planning process as the A-Sun WAC football. Now, the news came down last week that maybe Austin P would be looking uh, to make the jump. Maybe 2025, UT Rio Grande Valley uh, is a, another team that's uh, going to put football together in 2025 as the 10th member of the conference, and they're going to try to make this work. Now, uh, nobody has joined the FBS as a full conference since the Mountain West was formed all the way back in 1999, and they've certainly done a terrific job at it. But I, I wonder with these programs being in precarious locations, like Abilene Christian being out there in the middle of West Texas, Utah Tech being in southern Utah, far away from Salt Lake City, a few hours from Las Vegas, same for southern Utah. Tarleton State, a little bit more of a desirable location. But Stephen F. Austin, they're out in the boonies of Texas in, in and Uh Central Arkansas is in a strange location. Eastern Kentucky, Austin P, North Alabama. It, it just seems like some of these programs are jumping the gun. A- and you admire the want to get to the FBS. Certainly the landscape is changing in college football. The FBS is a more desirable place to be. But until the South Dakota states, North Dakota states, Montana, Montana states, Eastern Washington's of the world decide to make that leap, is that in the best interest for those programs? Like, what's the upside for a program like Eastern Kentucky being in the FBS compared to the FCS? Maybe some more money comes along with that, but I mean, what do you, you go six and six and you play in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl? You go seven and five, and you play in the the Gildan New Mexico Bowl, or Austin P, a team that I felt like got snubbed from the postseason this year. Eastern Kentucky, a team that got into the postseason this year, you have a chance to win a national championship. You're never going to have that chance, even with the 12 team playoff that's going to be introduced to the FBS in a couple of years. None of those teams are ever going to come within sniffing distance in the next. Five decades, as long as that playoff system stays 12 teams, unless they want to copy the mold of the FCS, although at that point, is it really bowl versus championship? Because if you build a larger than 12-team playoff, you're almost mocking what the FCS is. So then what do you do? Do you go back to calling them D1A, D1AA? It just seems like a move that hasn't really been thought about all that much, and I'd be surprised if it actually happened. Because if you've been to Southern Utah, if you've been to Abilene Christian, and you've seen those facilities and you've seen those stadiums, they mirror Division II stadiums and Division II facilities more. They do than, than the smallest of schools at the FBS level. It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm sure you know the, the dollar is the almighty in these circumstances and situations. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think those schools are better off staying in the FBS, or rather, FCS, and having a chance to compete for championships rather than making that jump to the FBS. Where, like I said, the best case scenario is a bowl game that maybe a few thousand fans attend. And as we've seen already in this FCS playoffs, I think it's a far better product than what the bowl system is at the FBS level. Hey, that's all we've got for you this time on the FCS Fever Podcast. We'll be down to just four teams remaining and maybe some head coaching openings, head coaching vacancies, the coaching carousel transfer portal rolls along. You've been listening to the FCS Fever Podcast on the Aaron Torres Media Feed presented by Betfred Sports. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.